You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hi, you're listening to Mission Lab. My name is Camille Brace, and I'm here with my husband, Sean, and this is episode 11, and our episode is on family on mission, and today I want to start out by telling you a story that happened just last fall to our family. We were out walking on in a, in a, on an afternoon, and uh, just, just down the road from our house, we had passed uh, Stephen King's house, which he lives about a quarter of the mile down the road from us, and we saw this couple out raking their yard in a, a little bit elderly and uh so we were like oh you know it looks like they have a ton of leaves and you know it's slow going it was starting to get dusk so it was getting a little bit dark and Camden our seven-year-old at the time pipe, pipes up and says hey why don't we help them rake so in my mind I'm thinking oh man like yeah that's a really great idea and you know Maybe at some point that would be a good idea. Maybe we could come back the next day, you know, like in the morning and bring our rakes. And as I thought about it more, I decided there's no time like the present. Here my seven-year-old has come up with this brilliant idea to help someone else. And I should really encourage that. And so Camden and I, we all of us walked back to the house. And then Camden and I got our rakes and drove over to their house to see if they needed help. And Sean stayed here with our younger two because, like I said, it was getting close to supper and I don't think they would have been able to hack it at that late hour. Mm. But uh, so we went over and asked this couple who I was aware of who they were. I don't know that Camden was. Um, if they would, um, if they needed help. And they said, sure, that would be great. That's so nice of you. And so we raked with them probably for about an hour. And basically, by the time we were done, it was all dark out. We could barely see the leaves. But they were so appreciative, and as we talked, um, the lady was telling me that she had, um, the previous winter, broken a leg. And I was like, oh, you know, who did you go see? Because my brother is a doctor in this area and frequently uh, treats people of those types of injuries. And so I was like, oh, who did you go see? You know, where did you go? And she's like, oh, I went to uh, Down East Orthopedic and I believe I saw, you know, Cameron Truby. I was like, oh, that's so amazing. That's my twin brother. And she was just so blown away that like, you know, here this family is so connected and like we've met, you know, she's met both of us now. And, um, she knew about, um, my brother and his wife and, and his three girls, or I guess it was going to be about a third girl on the way at the time. And so it was just so neat to um, see. And here Camden at seven years old was willing and wanting to go help someone rake. And he didn't even know who they were. Now, this person ended up being Senator Susan Collins, who is the senator of this, our state of Maine. So Sean and I were aware of who she was, and although we had only, we'd seen her, I think, maybe like in a parade before, but mm -hmm. never at her house. Um, a lot of the time she's in Washington, D.C. Um, during the week, and so um, not around a lot. But it was just really neat to interact with her and her husband. And um, and later on that day, she actually, according to Cameron, texted Cameron 
and said, my husband and I were out raking our yard when all of a sudden two little angels showed up with rakes in hand and helped Mm. us get it done. And so she was very, very appreciative. And later on, I don't know if you're going to tell this part, but she broke her leg again this last winter. Her ankle or something. Something. And, uh, you know, she went and saw Cameron and apparently they're on very close terms. Um, and he asked her specifically because of, you know, HIPAA confidentiality, if he could, if he could tell his nephew that Senator Collins broke, uh, her leg so that his little nephew could be praying for her. And she granted him permission. And, uh, you know, we were praying for Senator Collins every night for probably three months. And, uh, Anyway, so it was a neat experience, and, and the whole reason you bring this up, Camille, is because... Yeah, because as we talk about family on mission, a lot of people say, my family is my mission. Mm. And I think I think there is kind of like an a, appropriate time for that phrase, and I feel like we have kind of just gotten out of that maybe in the last year or so. Um, when your kids are so young, infants in that baby stage, it's just so challenging. I, I get that. I, I understand how exhausting it can be how overwhelming it can be. Um, But I think now that our kids are getting slightly older, our youngest is three now, three and a half. And um, we're really focusing outward now, really focusing on other people. And as we do that, it's not family or mission, and it's not family and mission, but it's family on mission. And Mm. I think that's what Sean and I um, are trying to teach our kids we're not trying to get them to be the focus of our worship. We're trying to get them and us to be on mission together, yeah. blessing, uh, trying to bless others. So not being the subject of our mission, sorry, not being the object of our mission, but the subject. In other words, we're not doing mission to them. We're doing mission with through them. them, with them and through them. Not that we're using them, but I think a lot of times... Uh, we just like entertain our youth to death and we have these big youth ministries and we put on these big youth programs and we, but what we're doing in that process is we're just creating consumers, which is what we're trying to get away from, you know, on the adult level. And so, but so many times we're setting adults up later on in life who become later adults to be consumers because we've been doing that their whole childhood. Like we just put on these great programs for them, entertaining programs. And we're not saying that we shouldn't do those things whatsoever, but uh, we need to recognize that our children need to be on mission with us and not our mission field. Because, you know, we've, we've done like the whole uh, youth ministry track. I mean, we, we put in all this money and time and effort. I'm not necessarily speaking of our local congregation, but just in general, Christian churches, our particular denomination, we pour all this money and time and, and programming into, quote-unquote, youth ministry, and what still ends up happening. Well, yeah, as, we, as we've talked about, as we looked at our stat show a couple episodes ago, I mean, you see people are— millennials, younger generations are still leaving the church. So it's not about getting that that bigger band. It's not about putting more lights in. It's not about having more movie nights. It's not about, you know, um, doing that, but it's really about having kids and adults 
be excited about being on mission and just blessing others and doing that together as a as a team as a community yeah i i remember um early on when we were starting to do this mission thing i was i was realizing that uh we're always discipling our children and that may sound like a very kind of pithy obvious idea but we're always discipling our children i remember growing up just being around my dad who's also a pastor and will be on a future episode uh being around him and just without even realizing it he was discipling me like i was using this example a few weeks ago if you go with my dad out in public he will always be talking to some stranger and you know he'll know the life story of somebody we were just the other day we were on vacation in nova scotia and we're standing in line to go across a little ferry boat and there's this couple who's wearing toronto blue jays hats and uh he starts oh toronto blue jays you know he's a red sox fan but you like them huh by the end of five minutes it, he had learned that this man had grown up like five like five minutes from where my dad grew up in Moncton, New Brunswick. So he, he, he's never met a stranger. So I am able to talk to strangers to that uh, level as well, because I always modeled. Yeah. I saw it modeled. And so we want to be modeling that with our children. And so I remember thinking this early on that we want to teach our children to be on mission. And so we need to take them with us when we're on mission. And so one day we were going to go, I was going to go over and give cookies to my neighbor and uh i was praying you know it'd be great to bring camden and acadia along because they could be there with me and they could see what it's like to be ministering to someone you know uh and serving them and so without me even saying anything they're both like we want to come we want to come and so i was just so happy about that so they came along and of course i was discipling them as i was doing that and of course that's a fun adventure i mean it's not like it's not like it's boring um, so we're always discipling our children no matter what. And we don't have to, uh, entertain them to death as much as we think. I was reading a book recently and I'm going to recommend this for, um, for my little practical advice, but I was reading this book and I mentioned it before called total church and they have a chapter. The authors do Tim Chester and Steve Timmis on, uh, two different scenarios of quote unquote youth ministry. And uh, one of the scenarios is this youth pastor who comes home after a, a, a day of, of uh, exciting youth ministry where they put on this program and these 30 kids showed up and they had great music and they, and they you know, had this great speaker. And, you know, he got home at the end of the day and he was just reflecting, okay, what did I accomplish? And, you know, the, again, we're not trying to say there's nothing, re, you know, redeeming about that, but... The authors painted this other scenario where there was this uh, youth minister who spent weekly uh, outings with just three young ladies, and they would go shopping together, and they would hang out together, and they would, uh, you know, what else do ladies do besides shopping, Camille? They would watch TV together, and then they would come back to their house, and <laughs> they would- Book club. Book club. And then they would come back to their house, and they would have a Bible study. And they were just kind of saying, okay, which- scenario had a greater impact is it the person putting on the program the hip program for all these kids or the person investing in these young ladies and of course that's kind of the theme of our whole mission and ministry is doing life with people 
And that applies to our youth just as much as anyone else as well. And I think if you were to look back at your own life, if you were to look back at your, you know, your elementary days or your high school days, college days, and you were to say, what's the most influential person or thing or event that had a lasting impact on my life, more than likely it's not going to be some program you went to. Mm. Oh, I went to this amazing concert or I went to this amazing party conference, or I went to this or... amazing conference. Yeah, those things are can be great and they they build experiences and they're part of life. But more than likely when I look back at my own life, it's people that invested in me, people mm. that spent time with me, people that mentored me, yeah, teachers, coaches, uh, friends, um, my friends' parents that truly made the biggest difference in my life and really shaped who I am today. And um, yeah, it wasn't yeah. some program or, or anything yeah. like that. I, I remember reading, and there was an article going around a few months ago called, you know, basically, and they, these articles are a dime a dozen, but, you know, why millennials are leaving the church. I know that's an original title, but. Uh, in the article, um, the person who was writing, who's a millennial, said, you know, if you don't want us to leave the church, we need mentors. Like, we need people, adults in our lives that are going to invest in us and mentor us, not through an exciting worship talk or not through an amazing, you know, uh, band or whatever. Again, we're not trying to say these things aren't uh, good or they don't have their place, but we want people in our lives who are going to invest in us, care about us, and mentor us. And I think what's interesting is that they want adult mentors. And sometimes we think, you know, youth just want to hang out with other youth. But it's kind of like it speaks and, and, and testifies to the importance of intergenerational community. Yeah. And talking about intergenerational community is just been really neat to see in our own missional community because we have Sean and I and Cameron and Ellie who are in our 30s. I won't say if that's early 30s or late 30s. Please but, tell us. <laughs> but um, And then we have some other people who are, you know, 15, 20 years older than us. And it's been really, really neat to see because and just get that mentorship from them because Sean and I and and my brother and his wife were in that stage of, you know, we moved kind of from the infant stage of having kids and now we're like in the, the kid stage of having kids, if that makes sense. And and these folks that are in our missional community, they they have kids that are getting married. And so they're able to, you know, talk and walk us through some of the difficult times of raising kids, some of the joys, some of the things to look forward to, some of the things not to look forward to. So it's been really neat to get a um, an older person's perspective on just family life and how but, those dynam- dynamics work. But also they're investing in our kids as well. And that's yes. kind of the point is that you know, the term, it takes a village. And that's, you know, a term that we've heard before. Uh, but it's nice. And Camille, you've talked about this frequently to have other adults in our church community, missional community that will also invest in our kids. Mm-hmm. Like you've just said before, the people in your life, 
you recognize growing up invested in you and mentored you and helped you. So sometimes we, you know, and we, we know people and we're not here to criticize anybody, but they want to go to a church that has as many youth as possible so they can stick their kid into a youth program and have all sorts of friends. And again, we're not saying that's not important, but I grew up, my dad planted churches. I grew up basically the only kid my age in, in my churches. And I think that was very formative for me. In fact, my dad tells a story about how uh, when he first planted a church in Boston or right outside of Boston, you know, he remembers going down into the basement of this uh, church building that we were renting and he looked in and we have something in our denomination called Sabbath school. And he looked in and I was the only child literally in that little classroom. And he had gone from a church of like 400, three or 400, where there was plenty of youth. And uh, he looked in and he just started tearing up and crying. And he said, what have I done? You know, I've taken my child out of a nice environment with all sorts of peers. And he, now he's by himself and he's just like, what have I done? But I, I really think it was an awesome decision. I think it's kind of helped me recognize. Now, Camille, your experience was different. And he, she and I go back and forth on this a little bit. She wants... It's, it's a little bit more of a challenge for me to see that perspective because I grew up in a very, well, a larger church with active... Um, youth ministries. Youth ministries and kids ministries. And um, yeah, so it's... But, it's so I, like, I, I feel like my upbringing, which was the superior one, of course, <laughs> um, prepared me to realize that we're not here to just kind of have one big, you know, club. We're here to be on mission. And I realized that my dad, you know, I didn't process this as a, you know, four-year-old, but I realized that my dad uh, made that decision because he had a heart for serving and blessing and reaching more people. And uh, I think that's the point. Like, you know, we can't, I, I just feel strongly convicted that we cannot make our decisions when it comes to our church experience, when it comes to mission, when it comes to discipleship, based solely or even largely on whether our kids are going to have enough programming and whether our kids are going to have enough peers. Uh, we're called to be on mission and we're called to have our kids on mission. And the reality is, as I said, if our kids be, are simply the object of our mission, there's a good chance that they're not going to stick around anyway because they think that you know they're just being consumers and they they don't see what tangible difference this is making. Okay, I go to this building and you just feed me all this information and you feed me this exciting programming, but what difference does that make? It's when they see it in the everyday stuff of life that it starts to really make more of a tangible difference. So we can't entertain our kids as a way to keep them. We need to give them a purpose and mission. And I think I mentioned this before. I find that most millennials that I speak with, in fact, I'd say all millennials that I speak with, um, mention these two very things that we've touched upon, and that is authentic community. I, I sound like a broken record, I know. But authentic community and the sense that they're actually making a tangible difference in the world. So that's why we think missional communities are great because it provides all those awesome things. So um, just uh, anything else, Camille, here? Yeah, so I think the last thing that I wanted to add is one of the things that we've been doing with our kids has been having them invite 
friends uh, to be a part of our life. We have a um, we have a friend on the street who's exactly Camden's age, and uh, he uh, doesn't have a dad figure in his life. And so he comes over to our house frequently. And at first I was a little like, well, I don't know, this is a lot more work. We've got an extra kid to watch. And, um, you know, do they have, does he have the same values as we do? And just, you know, what he would be teaching Camden. And, um, but I really feel like God has just put him in our life and in our family's life to bless and minister to. And it's been really neat to see Camden be able to be a part of that, to be able to show his character and uh, love for someone else um, that's, you know, not a Christian and um, just need to see Camden on mission. Mm, Um, Whether he realizes that at not at this young age, uh, it will be definitely be able, it will definitely be something he'll be able to look back on and see that at that young age, he was on mission. Mm. Um, So yeah, we could easily, like we've talked about before, you know, do the whole flee any outside influences and we need to live in a bubble and you can't have friends who don't have the same values. Now, this kid is a great kid. We've loved having him. We yeah. you know, Yesterday, we took him to the water park with us. Uh, today, we took him on a little family walk um, and uh, he's just really a fun kid. Uh, but it takes a little extra effort and time and you know, sometimes when they're playing outside, we want to be inside, but we're going to be out there with them. And so we say, oh, man, I got so much to do, but this is a priority we're going to make. And we were just gone for like three weeks for different responsibilities. And Camille, uh, you said that he had known the exact number of days we were gone. Well, yeah, I went over to his house to see if he wanted to come with us to the pool yesterday. And um, I talked to his mom and she was saying, oh yeah. Um, Maddie's like, oh yeah, you guys were gone for 19 days, right? <laughs> Part of it, we were at camp meeting for 10 days and Whatever then we were camp meeting is. Yeah. Some church meetings. And then, um, and then we were on vacation for a week and a half anyways. So he knew how many days we'd been gone and his mom's like, oh yeah, you know, it's been pretty lonely around here for Maddie. Cause he's an only child. And, um, just, it's neat to see that we can bless him with, um, you know, Attention Sean being and, able to be a male figure in his life and and then just with um you know yeah Camden adding like friendship say, to his life yeah. because he's an only child yeah and Camden like we say learning how to navigate the world of you know people who don't think exactly like him or don't come from the same background as him or um you know you know our kids don't go to public school they're at home so they don't get that uh naturally so at any rate, that's uh, that's been a neat way to be a family on mission and just to bless and serve. So as we close, Camille, do you have any practical advice? I guess my practical advice would simply be go get this book, Total Church, Total Church by Tim Chester and Steve Timmis, and specifically read the chapter 12 called Children and Young People. It's really a uh, quite a... Um, impactful way of looking at youth ministry. The whole book is just powerful. It's probably one of the best books I've read on mission. And uh, so read it, Total Church, Tim Chester and Steve Timmis, chapter 12, children and young people. Uh, But whatever you do, just make it a priority to be a family on mission, a family on mission, not family or mission, family and mission, but family on mission 
So that's all we have to say for episode 11. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast.